Hey, Night Owls. Welcome to Isn't It Past Your Bedtime. I'm Krista. And I'm Rachel. And this episode, we have... Wait, that's a book? TV edition. I'm so excited about this. Like, I'm not even kidding. Which, like, I don't know why I said it. Like, that makes... I feel like that makes it seem like we already have a movie edition, which we don't. But we will eventually. Because I, I liked it. I thought it was a fun topic. So basically... I don't think mine's going to be a movie, but I guess it's fair. Well, no. I mean, I figure, like, one day. One day we're this topic will work with the movie oh i see okay because basically what it is is that we each pick something we're like we had already watched the entire tv show before we ever found out it was a book and so kind of like doing the reverse like always you want to read the book first well not always there are a few exceptions where sometimes try though i mean usually i try sometimes it doesn't happen like behind her eyes we'll get there Mm, yeah but like this was one that like so i did i'll just i'm gonna just jump right in so i did good omens the nice and accurate prophecies <gasps> of agnes was... nutter which oh my gosh i was wondering which one you were gonna do oh yeah because i went because it was all over the place and and i read an entire other book that was absolute trash i'm gonna throw it in the 100 by cassette cast <gasps> i don't know the show was great so we're gonna have to talk about that later do not read the book Save okay, I'll avoid it. nobody read the book either way so good omens is by the late sir terry pratchett and neil gaiman which i thought is fun it has to sir authors. terry pratchett yeah apparently he's a sir i don't Fancy. know what that means in like britain land that means he's been sirred i guess i was gonna say he's been knighted but that's okay yeah it. i was like exactly i was like i don't know what sir you get sirred <laughs> yeah it doesn't say that he's sir terry pratchett on the book but when you google if you because I, I googled him because i saw something that said he had passed and so when i googled him it turns out he was he was sir terry pratchett so i wanted to throw it in there either way so Appreciate the respect the tv show is on amazon prime for anyone who hasn't seen it or has been thinking about it uh the tv show is absolutely amazing i love it i laughed armageddon has never been so funny i'm on my third rewatch and so like and i've tried before to read the book and so for this one i committed it was kind of rough so basically what the book is about is about armageddon so it starts and you have aziraphale and crowley so aziraphale is an angel and crowley is from he's a demon he what used to be angel and then he fell he's a demon now which i guess most of them it's a fallen angel um and so it kind of starts with them and it starts in like day seven you're like oh it was a nice day They'd all been nice days, all seven of them. Like day seven of the world existing? Yeah, of the world coming in. So like day seven. And on the seventh day, God rested. Like that day seven. Wow. Rest on day seven. I really don't know. But I think that's it. Yeah. Sunday. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. The Lord's day. So it starts there. (laughs) And it's like, so Crowley has tempted Eve with the apple. It all starts. And so like everything's going. And so you kind of have like... Crowley and Aziraphale because they're both on earth trying to like do the right thing and the wrong thing right and like at one point and like the book is funny like so the show is funny the book is also funny like it keeps a lot of those where like okay so it's still a comedy like we haven't lost that yeah Crowley so like they like Crowley tempts Eve to eat the apple and then Aziraphale gives her her flaming sword which is funny because Crowley's like didn't you have a flaming sword he's like oh I misplaced it. It's fine. Did that happen in the book too? It happens in the book. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so Crowley is like, oh, wouldn't it be funny, you know, if I did the right thing and you did the wrong thing? Seraphil is like, hum, no, that would not be funny at all. Like, I should not be doing the wrong thing. It's ineffable. And he keeps, he says ineffable a lot. I never took the time to Google ineffable, but it is fun to say. So there's that. So the whole book is about Armageddon. And so they go on, derp, 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 all these years. They've been on there. They've been, like, living their life on Earth. They, like, become friends at this point. And so how Armageddon starts is with 
the birth of the Antichrist. And so, and once the Antichrist turns 11, that's when like Armageddon's going to start. So it all starts. Um, the Antichrist has been born and is given to Crowley and Crowley has to go give it to like the chattering order of nuns and they're going to swap it out with a baby with a, a current <laughs> baby like a normal life baby all these nuns yeah and the chattering order of the nuns and so there's three babies that in there because so it's only supposed to be this one baby who is like being born to an american delicate delicate no delicate. delegate delegate with a g wow that was on it. right there uh that's who it's supposed to be swift swapped with but there is this other family, the Youngs, Mr. Miss Young. She's having her baby like a couple weeks early. So now oh, there's no. three babies. So there's like baby A, baby B, and baby C. And there's like this weird swapping around of the babies. And the Antichrist ends up with the Youngs. And the delegates, the Americans, end up with the Youngs' original baby, which is like baby C, I think. And then like baby A, which is like the delegates' original one. I don't know. We don't really know what happens to him, right? Like, we just kind of hope that he was adopted off and, you know, he wins awards for his, like, tropical fish or something. We don't really know what watch happens with him. Scene, I watched that scene, like, like three or four times. Like, the whole, like, baby A, baby B, baby C. Because I haven't read the book, but I've watched the show. And, like, watching them, like, try to figure it out, even on video, was really hard. I can't imagine reading it and trying to keep track of, like, okay, wait, what happened to baby B? like where'd they go yeah and so like this entire book has like a whole bunch of footnotes which in the tv show is fine because really? the voice of god she's explaining everything it's to like us, a narrator but, yeah and so this one like so when i'm reading <sighs> so halfway through i switched to listening to it which is better because apparently when you hit the little thingy for footnote you're supposed to read the footnote where i would finish the page and then read the footnote uh, apparently that's, what? How, that's, that's how, how you're supposed to do it apparently yeah that, at least that's how like the narrator did it and it made so much more sense because you're coming that up makes and they're more like sense yeah, so, like, the kind of change on that one is that, like, in the book, it's a game with a P or something, where, like, in the TV show, it's a card game, which is more realistic, because, like, this book was written in, like, the 80s, I think, or something like that. And in, in the book, I just have footnote questions. So, like, in the book, the way it's, like, written, because this is, like, a very odd way to, like, kind of read a book. Like, that's, like, kind of how you would expect to read, like, like a paper, like a research paper. So, like, when you're reading in the book, so are the footnotes, like, literally at the bottom? Like yeah, they're at the very bottom of it. One, and then you have to read one as soon as you get to, like, a zero fell, and then you got to go back. And then So it'll like... be, like, at the end of a sentence or the middle of a sentence, there'll be, like, a little asterisk. And so you jump okay. down to wherever the asterisk is. We're or trying it could to be, like, how to read two asterisks if there need to be two footnotes for that okay. part of it. But, yeah, it is down at the very bottom. There's, like, a little line. It's different fonts, so it's, like, very clear where you're supposed to go read everything. Mm. So thank you. Now that Antichrist is there, we know that Armageddon's going to start in eleven years, and Aziraphale oh, no. and Crowley like they're not super excited about the idea of Armageddon. Like in the grand scheme of things, yeah, sure, Armageddon sounds great. You know, their sides are going to win. It's going to be lovely. Except, like they like their lives on Earth. Like they have their homies. Like they're not they're not supposed to be friends. So like they're not friends, right? But they're friends. They like, don't know each other, right? They've spent like they're not supposed to at least a bajillion years together. And so they're like friends and like everybody like up top, like thinks that Aziraphale is doing great and everyone down below thinks Crowley's doing great and all these things. And they like, they like their life. And so they're like, okay, like what if we, and so the, um, they convince the Americans to name their baby warlord or maybe warlock warlock that's what it is why did i say warlord warlock the warlord nuns does do. sound like on brand though yeah warlock works too so the nuns do and because that's supposed to be the antichrist and the nuns the chattering order of the nuns are satanists so they know that the antichrist is coming they just kind of flubber it all up 
Um, well, like one of them flubbers it all up and the other ones just don't catch on because, you know, there's like this whole winking scene that goes on. It's hilarious. I'm glad that that's in the and book the TV too. show. Yeah, it's, they're both there. It's great. It's so, me. so Aziraphale and Crowley are like, okay, like what if we like interfere without interfering? Because like Crowley's trying to convince Aziraphale to do this and he was like, well, like what if I'm trying to like, like shouldn't you like thwart me? Like I'm doing bad things. You need to be like, I'm trying to like make him sin and become bad. Like you need to thwart me. And Aziraphale was like, well, if I was just thwarting you like yeah up, upstairs couldn't even like get mad at me for that because i'm supposed to thwart evil at every turn and if you're evil right. sure so that's basically what they do for like the next 11 years and oh. then it comes 11 year birthday and what's supposed to kick it all off is that hell sounds sends him a hellhound and as soon as he names it like that starts everything but his 11th birthday comes and warlock doesn't get a hellhound oh so no they're like uh, what happened so now at this point they have to go figure out where this baby is what the heck happened it's like super funny it's like you could read the book so i okay so now like i don't really want to like, go into too much because at that point now you guys are going to know what happened like i kind of yeah. armageddon is here and now it's wednesday and the world's going to end on saturday so here we are this is life buckle in folks that's basically oh, where man. so the book and show, for the most part, it follows super, super, How's super it? closely. Like, almost every single change that they made in the show, I think, was an improvement. So, like, you don't ever see heaven in the book. Like, you never go up top. But you do in the show. And, it's like, very bare, but you do see yeah, it. Yeah, but you do see it. And so, like, that's fun. And, like, you go into hell more. The ending of the book and the show are different. Like, the book is definitely very more, like, open-ended. You don't quite know what's going to happen. And same with the show. I feel like the show definitely, I was like, oh, I want a second season. But there's no second book. And you wouldn't do anything with a second season. I just want Crowley and Aziraphale again. Like, I just want them back. Um, so, like, they did just end. just love their dynamic. Yeah. So, like, they do more with the ending of the show than they do with the book. Mm. um which it's is not fine. a second book yeah, so i still think sense. it was fine like the only thing and I, I even like googled it a little bit because i was like reading and listening and i was like i don't feel like there's that many changes and it was all super minor stuff there's only one like this quote-unquote torture scene like the children are like trying to become witch finders and they're going to torture a witch and they like right. torture like a, a stump or like a wood duck or something oh that's the, right in the show <laughs> but that. in the book it's uh piper's younger sister Oh, but that's she's, worse. But she's having fun with it because she has to get like dunked in the pond. And so they're like, she are you a witch? Like and a she's silly. like, yeah, I'm a witch. I want to be a witch. Mm. I want to be dunked. And so she's like super having fun with the torture. Because um, she thinks it's a game. Yeah, exactly. And so like, but they don't want to like put that in because like, okay, torture children. That's bad. Maybe we shouldn't do that. And then some of the other changes because I was reading an article about it. And so since Terry Pratchett has passed, Neil Gaiman basically like how to make all the decisions on it so like some of these ones like he built up there's like a character is it in the neil show. diamond like the singer neil gaiman g-a-i oh i i kept thinking you yeah i think it's gaiman Gaim. maybe it's gaiman I think he's I, a, a writer i've seen oh he's written a whole writer. bunch of stuff yeah. yeah okay that makes so much more sense to me my brain is hearing <laughs> neil diamond i'm like i was kind of mumbling I and i think writes. yeah um, no you're good and so like he had to like make all the decisions because terry pressure is gone and so um like one of the characters in the show like one of the other like the upper level angels of heaven uh like comes down is kind of like more involved he's like seen a bit more like his name he's like mentioned in passing in the book but neil gaiman was like yeah no like that was the thing like terry like totally would have loved it like he really had wanted to build more on the character and he's like and also he's like i have to do what i think he would want like i'm 
flying by the seat of my pants. Um, but so overall, I'm giving the book four, four and a half stars for two reasons. One, I think if you just read it, having no idea what the show is about, never seeing the show, it would be kind of hard to follow. Like there's definitely some parts where I think you would get confused, but having watched the show and knowing that it follows the show so well, I was bored at times because I knew what was going to happen. I knew where we were going. I was like, oh, oh. I was like, like okay. oh my gosh, we're going to come up on Witchfinder <laughs> Parcival and he's boring and I hated these scenes and oh my God. Can I we ran into that long? too with mine, so I uh, get that. Yeah, which I mean, it's great. Like if you read the book first and you love the book, watch the show like you'll love it like it's probably it followed so closely I don't know that I've like ever watched a show that has followed a book so closely and done it so well so if you read it first and you love it you'll love the show like if you've been holding out absolutely watch it but the other way around I was like ugh, maybe I don't know but it was still good it was still funny I still liked it listening to it I did like it took a little bit to get into the narrator um but I did enjoy it because it felt kind of more like the show and like more in my head and it was easier to like get into versus like physically reading it where sometimes I was like oh my god this is taking forever and what is going on but still would recommend both the show and the book so okay nice seems like solid I just recently restarted watching the show because you said that you were going to do the book and I was like man I love that show so yeah I'm watching it again I mean, in between watching Criminal Minds, of course. Yeah, I had started it also, I restarted it again. And then I was like, okay, like when I know, know what's going to happen. Because of course you watch one and you start remembering. And I was like, I need to stop. I need to just read the book because I'm going to ruin it for myself. But Right, right. Well, that sounds like a solid pick. I'm very glad that you did that one because I was curious about the book. And now I feel like maybe I won't waste my time. But <sighs> if, you, if you need a listen, it's worth an audible credit. If you're like, I need 12 hours and I don't listen, know what to do. I have an or extra audible you, credit. I could do yeah. it. Or if you have somebody who, like, you want to hook them in on a book and you think they'd like it, worth the credit. For, like, a car ride is what I'm thinking. That's super good to know. Super good to know. All right. Well, I did the very popular Bridgerton, oh, which I'm is so not called Bridgerton. Um, That's so true, yeah. It's not called Bridgerton. That's just the family name. I mean, like, it makes sense. It makes sense. Also, it doesn't make sense because each book has a different focus, but I guess a Bridgerton is the focus of each book like each one of the the children the bridgerton children's yeah basically okay so let me back up yeah all right just so let's just jump right on in because it's hard to like figure out where to start because this is like literally a whole series it's now going to be a whole netflix series like it's, Ooh, it's i'm glad thing. i'm glad it's going to become a whole thing apparently there's like eight books and they're expecting them to do like a season for each book so the book for Bridgerton season one is called The Duke and I, and it's by Julia Quinn. And so there are literally like, it's like the Viscount and me, like there's a bunch of different ones. Mm, right. And so okay. I, I believe the second one, like basically each one's around a Bridgerton child. Like this first one is basically around Daphne. I think the second one is Anthony. It's not an order of the Bridgerton, like children, like hierarchical. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, Daphne age. starts, she's, like, in the middle-ish. Daphne's, like, fourth because they go alphabetically. Anyways. Oh, I never noticed. Yeah. Alphabetical. Yes. So, if you have not seen the show or you have not read the book, basically, it's a historical fiction with a lot of very steamy parts. Um, I felt the show was steamier. I will give you that. But the descriptions in the book for the, like, two parts that were steamy was, like, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess take your pick. <laughs> um, <clears throat> basically, 
what this book is like. Um, it starts off with a, a little prologue, which I thought was really nice. Um, and it gives you some information about Simon. And Simon is one of the main characters in the Duke and I, because he's the freaking Duke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the book kicks off with like a little, a little prologue about Simon and his childhood. Um, Simon, his parents were trying to produce a male heir for a very long time. His father really wanted to pass down the, the Hastings name the title that's pretty much all important in 18 well it's 1813 when the book happens so whenever he's born which is 28 years before so like late 1700s yeah so when he's born late 1700s it's incredibly important to pass on your title to a male heir and so basically um the duke and duchess of hastings at the time tried over and over and over again with a lot of miscarriages so i guess trigger warning miscarriage just kind of did kick off this whole book honestly even in the series like it's kind of a, a theme a little um it does it comes up a lot like reproductive issues mostly because women are uneducated about it but whatever um but basically uh the duke and duchess have been trying for a very very long time they've had they've had stillborn children it's been awful and i think that the book does a really good job of actually painting a much better picture of simon than the show does i will give it that um it gives you a lot more information and there's much more character growth for him um <clears throat> because it's a book so it can tell you their inner thoughts right so we get a lot of background about simon to kind of start off but basically what this book is about is uh, a girl who is part of upper society so Daphne is part of the Bridgerton family there are eight children in the Bridgerton family which is wild they name them alphabetically so Anthony is first Benedict Colin Daphne ABCD Eloise Felicity F Gregory and Hyacinth so there are eight children and look at me go. I've watched the so show <laughs> literally. I'm on my eighth rewatch now. Oh wow. I just watch it in the background while I work because I find the like um British accents comforting. So um <clears throat> I'm gonna tell you about the book though. I'm not gonna talk about the show yet because we're gonna talk about some comparisons at the end. So I'm gonna try very hard to focus on what the book plot is. So in this book. Daphne is of age. Daphne has been of age for about two years and she doesn't have a lot of interest in her. And Lady Bridgerton is getting very stressed about this. Like it's not a good thing in 1813 to be a spinster. Daphne has had like a few um, marriage proposals, but they've been from like old men. Like nobody that she really wants to commit to. Um, her brother, Anthony, is head of house because their father died a few years ago. I don't believe the book is super clear as to when exactly, but I think in the show, they say that he died right before Hyacinth was born or right around that time. So he's probably been dead for about 10 years. Um, <clears throat> so basically Daphne is not holding out for love. That's not a thing in the book. Daphne just wants to find someone that is a decent companion that she feels comfortable to have children and her own family with because her mother has spent her entire life basically bringing her up to be like a very proper, like perfect wife, right? And like her mom is one of those like helicopter mamas in 1813 <laughs> who want, that's how they say it in the show. I just like can't help think it. Like that's that. how my brain sees it. That's a mama um, <clears throat> in London. And like they go about the town and... <laughs> And um, basically they're just trying to get, they're trying to get Daphne married off. And so like, it starts in like spring, that's all the same from the show. And it's, 
basically another year of Daphne being on the market. I'm putting that in air quotes right now on the market, but without, without a husband. And so Lady Bridgerton is trying to like, kind of encourage her to like reach out. And they've, they've heard about the Duke, right? Because Lady Whistledown, who is another major player in this whole thing, she's like, a gossip columnist and no one knows who this person is yeah what is it xoxo lady whistledown it's like gossip girl exactly so like lady whistledown has like talked about like the duke coming back to town because when he was younger he ended up leaving because he had a whole bunch of issues with his father because his mother died in childbirth after they spent all this time trying to have children right and then he the duke had a stutter and couldn't speak and so his father thought he was stupid and so he didn't think he was worth anything so basically the duke who was bassett at the time which is like his mother's maiden name or the family name and not the house name and title ended up leaving london so the duke is coming back to london and it's daphne's second year on the market and so Basically, the Duke's whole thing is that he doesn't want to be married. Like, that's his whole shtick. Like, he's, he tells everybody this. Like, he, he has no interest in being married off, even though he's of married age and he has a title. Um, everyone kind of brushes him off, really. He tries to kind of avoid people. Um, so the Duke comes back into London, and he doesn't really reconnect with a lot of people. He literally has nobody around. But what he does know is that Lady Danbury, Dansbury is, like, a friend of his, so like she in the show plays a much more um, impressive role than she does in the book. In the book, she's just like a friend of his aunt that he oh. knew she was kind to him growing up. And because he didn't have a lot of like parents or adults in his life, she really made an impact to him because um, he was basically raised by a nurse because his father wanted nothing to do with him. So she doesn't play a role in his life at all, really. Um, so he gets like an invitation once he's back into London to go to Lady Dansbury's ball. And he felt like it would be rude for him not to go. And so he goes to this ball and Daphne is also at this ball because she's obviously trying to find an eligible man to marry off to. Um, so Daphne's at this ball and there's this one guy, Nigel Burberry, or Burbrook, who's been freaking stalking her. He has proposed marriage twice in the last week. Her brother keeps saying no. So, like, in this show, he's much less creepy. But, like, he's proposed to her multiple times. I thought it was very creepy in the show. But that's the sad part. He's wow. proposed multiple times already in the, in, the, in the book. He's been told no. He's been told to back off. He's been told to leave her alone. And he just freaking doesn't. And so basically what happens at this, at this ball is Simon's trying to like sneak in the back and he runs into Daphne with a passed out Nigel Burbrook because Daphne has freaking punched him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And she, she's, she's just like, I love her in the book so much because she's just like, she's so much more like Eloise's in the show. She's like very strong opinion. She just does not give a shit. She's not here for love. She wants to marry off, have babies, do her own shit. Like, sure, she's kind of a combination of like Eloise and Daphne from the show. Like yeah. where like Daphne is just very prim and proper like... and Eloise is very rebel. Like yeah. she's a, a perfect combination of it really. Like she knows what she wants to do and she knows where she's supposed to go, but she doesn't necessarily want to fit into that mold. Um, so I really love her for this. Like her and Simon end up having this like whole like very sexy rapport in the hallway. It's like funny because he doesn't know she's a Bridgerton and her brother, her oldest brother, Anthony is his best friend. Um, so Anthony and da uh or not Anthony, um, well, yeah, Anthony too, but Simon and Daphne have about a decade between them, because Daphne is about 18, 
Yeah. And so he's about 28 because, you know, of course, men need to sow their wild oats with a bunch of unbred women before they Obviously. touch the women who have been completely chased and haven't even kissed anyone. Who know because, nothing of about Of course, anything. even if someone assumes that you may have been out in a garden with a man alone who is <sighs> not your brother, and they may have touched you and therefore you're soiled. Yes. Like, it's gross. Like, honestly, like the level, I mean, it's a historical fiction, so it makes sense. But like, just the level of just like misogyny is awful and disgusting. Like, that's my biggest thing about this whole book. But anyways, so Simon and Daphne immediately have like this connection and she's just like, she knows that she's into him. Right. But he's very adamant about not being married. And so they come up with this scheme where he is going to pretend to be courting her so that she seems desirable because no one's offered to marry her. And he's like, well, if people think a Duke is interested, they're going to think that you're worth something. Like they're going to see something in you that maybe they didn't before because perspective. Um, and then he thinks it will keep the other like mamas of the ton away from him. Of like the other, of the ton. I love it. He was like, well, at least I only have to deal with your mom. You know, mm-hmm. like she was like, well, my mom's going to be all up your ass. And he's like, well, you know, it's just one mom versus like having to deal with 30 moms who are trying to get me to marry their daughters. That and she's like, okay, that's fair. Like I can see that. But like overall, she just really felt like he was into her and that like he didn't really benefit as much from this like agreement because like the other mamas still freaking pestered him like they still like he hadn't agreed to marry Daphne or anything like that like none of that had happened so like she really like Daphne was just like really feeling like he was like into her you know what I mean and so like yeah, she's using it as an excuse to get close yeah to so she like pretty much right away honestly was just like it's the duke it's definitely the duke like this is all gonna pan out like I feel like it's she tried duke to like I. exactly it's the duke and I um, so they basically go through that and then they kind of like, you know, they, they see each other at other balls and other parties and then they go to this party and they're like, she was really upset that like he doesn't show up right away. I think it's Lady Dansbury's um, ball. No, it's not because that was the first one they met. It's another mm-hmm. ball. It doesn't really matter. There's, There's a lot of balls. balls. It's hard yeah. to keep track. Um, so they go to this other ball and she's like upset that he like doesn't show up because she's like, I know that like my night's not complete until like I've seen him and like we've like hung out. Like it's just like, it's not good enough. You know, she has all these people that are interested in her. She's, she's seeing all these men coming to court her. She had like three or four proposals and she said no. Like she just didn't want to. And it's just like, okay. So she's very clearly like, waiting waiting on the duke and like lady whistledown comes in literally in every single um chapter so at the beginning of each chapter is like a little excerpt from lady whistledown so it'll be like oh like we're just waiting to see what happens between daphne and the duke that's like literally most (laughs) of it um so basically they like get to this ball and she kind of like she wants him like she like she's like i know that he wants me and i super want him because like she's never like done anything with anybody ever she's never touched or looked at another man who's not a brother mm-hmm. like um <clears throat> so she kind of like seduces him she like kind of like eggs him on to like follow her into like the garden at night and then they like get like caught in a very compromising position which is a really nice way of saying that like he had pulled down her dress and was sucking on her freaking tit um (laughs) very compromising like (laughs) oh my god it was so much farther than that show went like that's at least that makes more sense than like like the show it was like that's it like at least the book is like and it was too far the show was like okay that's a bit gossipy that's more gossipy anyways so basically they get caught like 
getting all hot and heavy and like ready to like rip each other's clothes off. And then one of the, one of her brothers, I think Anthony comes in and is like very upset. Like, he's like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe it. Like you soiled my sister, like all these things. Like you said, you weren't going to take advantage of her because they had told Anthony about their agreement because Anthony was like, I don't know why you're doing this. Like he says he won't marry. This isn't something you should do. Like, please stop courting my friend. And she's just like, no, like we're, we're trying to like get other people interested in me yeah there's like a whole plan yeah there's a whole thing here don't worry about it but like that doesn't happen in the show like they don't let anthony in on the secret Mm -hmm. at all so anthony is like pretty rightfully upset like he's caught he's been been around his best friends fooling around with his 10 years younger sister like that's not okay um so basically anthony was like okay well you're either going to marry her we're going to duel in the morning and and duels are to death and those are illegal at this point, at least. I know they weren't always illegal, but they are at this point. Um, So basically that's kind of what happens is like the main gist. I don't know how much you really want me to give away. I was like, I've seen it so many times. I really know how this ends. I'll give you a little bit more information about what goes on from here. The readers don't know. I don't know. It's like nobody's ever read it before. I'm like, we're about halfway almost though, is the thing. Like, so basically what happens is Daphne finds out that someone else has seen them in, in the garden. And so the Duke, while he was trying to protect Daphne by saying that he didn't, didn't want to marry and therefore he would rather die than marry her when he didn't feel like he could be a a good husband to her. She was just like, well, maybe he'll, he'll change his mind if he knows that like, even if he dies, my reputation's ruined, you know, like someone else has seen me. Um, So she convinces another brother to take her to the, wherever the duel is happening. She kind of jumps in before the duel starts and the show, it's much more dramatic. She like almost gets shot. No, that doesn't freaking happen. <laughs> they haven't even gotten to their ends of the freaking field. She just like runs in kind of like mid them prepping up for the duel. Um, and basically the Duke tells her, well, I can't have children. So that's why, because he knows that Daphne coming from a family with eight children wants a family. She wants a big family. She, she's said multiple times and every day, basically that like, she knows that she would feel out of place without like a large family. Um, and so he feels like, well, I really respect you as a person. And so I really don't want to do that to you and take away the thing that you want the most in life because I can't, well, he says, I can't have children. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you that semantics are a really big portion here. Yeah, that's what. And this is not correct. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same here. So basically, he tells okay. her he can't have children, and she was like, "Okay, well, that's fine. I accept you anyway. Like, I love you. Let's do it." And so she kind of strong arms him into marrying him. My favorite part, though, is the fact that like she comes onto the the, the field right to like interrupt the duel, and she's like what do I do? How do I like stall them? And the only thing she can think of is punching Simon in the face. (laughs) So she punches him in the face. Like Daphne in the book is like such a badass. She's like so much more of like what you would expect for like the oldest sister in a group of eight who has three older brothers. Like she knows how to punch people. She's not apologetic about it. Like she's not worried about her not looking like a lady. She's just like, well, shit, how do I hide this body? Like that's what she did with <laughs> Nigel Burbrook. She's like, well, how do I hide his body? So people don't know that yeah, I so people just him. think that he's drunk and it's fine. Yeah. Like, so I just like, I kind of love this about, about Daphne in the book. Um, there is a lot, there's all the same issues where she doesn't understand how procreation works. She has no idea how babies come to be very much annoyed me in the show but it does but it's also historical historical. it's probably very accurate and i mean Mm -hmm. even nowadays like not there are plenty of people nowadays who don't know yeah um exactly so it bothers me and it's very hard 
I think as a reader in the 21st century to really kind of get through, especially as someone who did know what that was like, um, who understood what procreation meant, like what protection is. And And as you're reading it, being like, that's not how it works. And what pulling out is. But but basically, Daphne ultimately finds out that Simon lied to her about some pretty big aspects. They have a lot of big trust issues really early on in their marriage. Um, They end up separating like right away. So like they're apart for like two months, like, like a long time. And in, in the, in the show that does not happen, he will not leave her side. Um, So there are quite a few big differences. I think the biggest difference is like who Daphne is. Um, Honestly, now that I've read the book, I'm kind of upset with like who they picked for Daphne. Like they should have put that girl who's Eloise as Daphne. Like she is described or even honestly, like, I hate it, but like they could have, like, if they took the mom, like Lady Bridgerton in the show, like 20 years earlier, that would have been the perfect Daphne because they describe her as like thick, dark hair with like that heart shaped face, you know what I mean? And like the big brown eyes, like that's literally who Lady Bridgerton is. And Lady Bridgerton is supposed to be like very fair and they're supposed to have taken after their father. So like, if you think about it, like in the show, all of the Bridgertons have that dark hair. They all look like that. And then there's only Daphne who looks nothing like anyone else. Yeah, which is probably, she probably looks, I always just assume she looks like the dad that nobody's seen or she's found I felt that too, but like, I don't know, reading the book, it makes sense. And like Lady Whistledown like makes a comment about how like, it's very clear that like who their heritage is. Like, you know, when you have that many children, some people might start to question like their parentage, but like you don't when everyone looks exactly like the father, like- so I don't know. I feel like I get why they make some stylistic choices. Um, Simon, obviously, in the book was not a black man. That wasn't really a thing. They didn't really talk about it. I think that when Julia Quinn wrote it, she was probably thinking more historically, like there's a bunch of white people in England. Um, but I did really like that. And I was reading something about the show where there is like some rumors about Queen of, is it Elizabeth who's in the show or Victoria? whatever the whoever the queen is in the show whatever that queen was at the time um supposedly she was potentially of like black heritage so they kind of they kind of ran with that as like it would become normal in that society then Mm -hmm. if your queen was half black like it would be normalized and so that's kind of how the show like was able to be much more inclusive even though the book wasn't really written like that um but overall, I really did. Um, I still enjoyed the book. The book really very clearly followed um, season one, although I did like the fact that like, because it's going to be multiple seasons and things, um, the show itself gave you a lot more insight into other people in the town. They also invented a lot of people. There's a lot of additional story plots that don't exist at all in the book. The book is just straight up Simon and Daphne. Mm-hmm. There's so the show nothing is setting else. it up for like all the next seasons that could happen. Right. And like these, some of these characters do like kind of make an appearance. Like, like I said, I'm pretty sure every single book has a, a Bridgerton as a main feature. So it makes sense that the book itself, like the Duke and I focuses on like who the Bridgerton family is. And that's who it's the most descriptive about um, because there's going to be a Bridgerton in every single one. Um, so the show is Bridgerton, but overall i do i don't feel like um the book has nearly as many like side plots and interesting like stories going on like eloise doesn't really have a voice at all i don't think you talk to her even for a second um 
So I actually think the show's better. <laughs> I do. I really do. Because I just, I love all those side and like the interesting side stories where they like talk to the seamstress and they think she might be Lady Whistledown. And then like Anthony has like an affair with an opera singer and like Lady Dansbury is much more involved in the Duke's life. And he was, she was there for like his upbringing. So I just feel like that the, um, the show is much more like, it's much more thorough. It's like much more flushed out of a story and like a world than the book is the book feels like it could easily be a standalone like if you knew who the Bridgerton family was you could read any of them how many out of five then for just the book I'm gonna give it like three okay I'm gonna give it like three like it was still a solid read like I'm I'm glad I read it because I thought it was really interesting to get a lot more backstory than you can get out of a Netflix show Mm -hmm. but especially more backstory the Netflix show had a lot more thoroughness awesome well, I think this was a fun series. And like I said at the beginning, I think it'd be yeah. fun to do it as a movie sometime because I'm sure oh, yeah. eventually we either we've seen movies that we love that were books or we will eventually. So well. I liked it. It was like a little reverse. I'm into uh, it. Social medias, Instagram, isn't it past your bedtime and Twitter, IIPYB underscore pod. We also have the email. If y'all got other things you want to tell us, uh, isn't it past your bedtime at Gmail. Um, you can also check out our website to see what's in our archive, what we've talked about in the past, and what's coming up next at isn'titpastyourbedtime.com. And it is April, so the mini episodes are back, so be sure and check those out. I have no idea what the next topic is, but come back and listen, because we'll have it figured out by then. Yes, so we, we will. Talk <laughs> it all of y'all later. XOXO. <laughs> Lady, I don't remember her name. It's been Krista. Bye. Bye. <laughs>